Welcome back to the Defining Truth podcast. Today, Israel under attack and why rhinos in D.C. are stopping Jim Jordan from being the House Speaker. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Defining Truth. It's been a minute. We were out of the country traveling. I've been sick. You'll probably notice me coughing today, surviving on this. Lots going on today is going to be a shorter episode as we mainly focus on the unprecedented terrorist attack against Israel October 7th um, and as much updates as we can bring you there. And we'll give you our opinion on the geopolitical situation developing as well as the House Speaker fight in D.C., why Jim Jordan now for a third time has been denied and who are the people trying to stop him and why? Brandon Jones, welcome back. Thank you. Welcome back to you as well, to the country. Yeah. Great, the great United States of America. <clears throat> yeah, so far. So uh, let's jump right into it. Actually, just before starting, I uh, just saw breaking news that two American hostages were released from Gaza, um, you know, as if that's some merciful thing. This is in response to Qatari efforts, we understand, who have negotiated with the Al-Qasim Brigades, which is the armed wing of Hamas, not like they're not all armed. Um, and in their statement, they released the Americans to, quote, um, prove that the claims by Biden and his fascist administration are false and baseless. That's what the terrorists said. False and baseless. I, I don't know what they're talking about i mean they had hostages and they let them go it's not like uh you know that's a gift to us but so if you've been under a rock the last few weeks let's just catch you up october 7th there was this unprecedented attack on our allies in israel over 1500 terrorists from hamas cut lines uh cut holes in fences crossed the border and began slaughtering and systematically murdering uh, Israeli civilians. We've been following this fairly closely, uh, looking at a lot of video footage coming out. Um, and it's hard to watch the slaughter of infants, the beheading of babies, raping of women. And of course, they took hundreds of hostages. It's, it's, it's truly difficult to understand the magnitude of uh, this horrific, horrific act. Um, and then we're going to talk about a little bit um, on the U.S. response, which to me is even more shocking, the volume of pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian supporters here in the U.S. should really be shocking. So uh, first, let's go to uh, breaking news as of today. So where we're at. So after the attack, Israel has launched uh, many, many airstrikes claiming to have taken out Hamas uh, key positions and leadership. And of course, the world is now holding our breath, waiting for an IDF ground force to go in. As Benjamin Netanyahu has said, they will effectively end Hamas with this operation. Now, what does that mean? Uh, there's a lot of opinions floating around out there and analysts and, and whatnot, but here's some basic level, you know, superficial stuff that we understand. This is a threefold, three-level fight for the IDF. Uh, multi-story buildings, uh, ground-level street fighting, and underground, as Hamas has what they believe is over 300 miles of tunnels by which they move missiles and projectiles and whatnot. Um, this is going to be a big fight. Um, expected casualties are high, but in keeping with the motto, never again, I believe that Israel has 
finally had enough. Now, to put this into perspective on uh, the situation here, just imagine if the official government of Mexico was the cartels, okay, and they were funding terrorist attacks and raids across the U.S. border into San Diego and border cities, kidnapping babies, American citizens, raping women, murdering people, launching rockets and killing hundreds of thousands of Americans. What, what would you expect our response to be? Right? Would, we, would we tolerate that? And yet, when we look at the Middle East and specifically Israel, it seems as though the world wants Israel to just sit back and take it. So I want to hit something very contentious here because, again, here at Defining Truth, we want to bring a correct perspective here. And truth is important in these uh, very confusing situations. It, it, it goes without saying that war is horrible and we grieve the loss of innocent life no matter what. But with war comes, unfortunately, casualties and collateral damage. And there's a big difference between collateral damage and purposeful murdering of civilians. And right now we see in the U.S. mainstream media a lot of regurgitating of terrorist propaganda uh, coming against Israel, which to me is just disgusting. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. But part of the narrative goes, you know, that they're upset that Israel is bombing Palestine because it's just these, you know, poor innocent people there. And um, of course there are innocent people being injured, but the portrayal from the mainstream media is just not correct. It's false. And what do I mean by that? Well, you have to understand the way Hamas operates, right? They train children beginning at four or five years old to murder Jews. That's their life goal. Even on their website, if you go and look at Hamas today, which is the government of Palestine, which represents Palestinians, right, as a whole. It's not just a fringe group. It is the Palestinian people. Their stated goal is the elimination of Israel from the face of the earth. It's actually genocide. So the irony of Israel defending itself, and you have U.S., even U.S. politicians here saying that Israel's the one committing genocide, is just backwards world. It's, it's unbelievably false. It's a, a false moral equivalence. There is no comparison. So practically speaking, and I'm not sure how people can understand this, Hamas raids across specifically, tar- and I've seen these videos, they're horrific. They, they went through the kibbutzes and, and, and neighborhoods and just systematically slaughtered people, murdered children, women, men, families, elderly, specifically targeting civilians, and then slinked back across the Gaza border. Now, that's very different. That's a specific terrorist, violent murder. That's very different than now Israel finding out where those guys went. They're hiding in a building. They bombed the building. And there happen to be people around that get injured in that attack. That's called collateral damage. It's not good. It's horrible. But it's an unfortunate reality of war. The, the, the moral equivalence, the comparison that some, especially on the left here in the U.S., and around the world are trying to say that Israel doesn't have a right to defend themselves because someone may get hurt is absolutely asinine. You don't think that the terrorists know that? Hamas specifically is notorious for arming children, for putting weapons and missiles into hospitals and daycare centers. So there is no comparison here. And what is to be expected of Israel? Are, are, we, are we to allow the terrorists to murder innocent civilians because they hide 
amongst civilian populations. The, the, the cost of human life to the IDF is already going to be very high to deal with this problem. And they should have the unequivocal support of the international community. The rhetoric and regurgitation of terrorist propaganda that we've seen coming out of the UN and other nations in the Middle East, and perhaps most shockingly out of Democrats here, like Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib, who flies a Palestinian flag outside her office in the U.S. Capitol building, is um, it's so shameful, it's hard for me to even say it and, 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 and like realize that it's true. I think, you know, I, I obviously, like many of, of my generation, we spent time in the Middle East. We were in the global war on terror, et cetera. We've seen the unfortunate reality of terrorism and war and things like that. But I was just utterly shocked. And, and I follow all this stuff pretty closely in politics and whatnot. I was utterly shocked to see thousands of people in the U.S. taking to the streets to support the terrorist. In, in Palestine. I was utterly shocked locally in U.S. cities. And, and to our great shame, and, and this is very important, shame on the Christian community and the churches who supported groups like BLM, for example. It's the same demonic spirit, the same lies behind their movement that is now supporting the beheading of infants and, and, and the murder and rape of Jewish civilians. And the churches believed their their lies and their nonsense for so long here in the US. Today, now BLM is stating their support, not just for Palestinians, but for Hamas. BLM out of Chicago posted now a famous uh, tweet with a picture of the Hamas terrorists on a paraglider zooming in to murder innocent Jews. And they tweeted their support for them. Now, the same spirit, this is the same people that convinced you to hate your police officers. They, they told you that cops were the problem, not the crime or the drugs. They, they convinced you to burn your own cities. They got churches to repost their trash about CRT and racism and all these lies, completely unbiblical, anti-God. And then they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on transgender strip shows for elementary school kids. And if that wasn't enough, now they're supporting openly terrorist organization that are beheading babies in Israel. If, if by now you haven't caught on to the spirit of this world and the demonic movement that's behind all of this, it's all connected, right? The hatred of, of, your, of your law enforcement, the hatred of Christian Judaic values, the hatred of God's way of life, the hatred now of the nation of Israel. I, I, if you haven't caught on by now as a church, I don't know what to do for you. You clearly have no discernment. Um, specifically Rashida Tlaib gave a speech just yesterday. I was watching, uh, before this huge crowd waving Palestinian flags and chanting, you know, all kinds of anti-Semitic things. And she was basically saying that Israel's uh, defending themselves was genocide, right? They love to use these big words. It's like, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. So, um, since the time of the attack, again, if you, if you're not following, we have a lot of footage videos that have come out. In fact, even some of the body cams from the terrorists who were killed by IDF forces have been recovered. So we got an inside look into some of their planning. And here's what we've learned. It looks like the attack was planned almost two years ago. 
And uh, it involved a lot of support from the IRGC and Al-Quds in Iran and uh, probably others. Um, they were very well put together as far as their operational plan. They had maps that were recovered from some of the terrorists that showed, they carried them on their chest pouches that showed locations of the kibbutzes where the civilians were that they were going to murder. Um, there was teams designated, very professional, who the shooters were, who was carrying explosives, who the commanders were. In fact, they were carrying explosives, which were not common to the region, like C4, which shows you some nation-state support. They had locations of breaches. They had a plan of attack. They knew response times for Israeli defense forces. And they attacked during Shabbat, which is a time that the Jews are not out and about working, driving, or using cell phones. So it was very strategic timing as well. Their instructions, as we've learned, were to murder as many civilians as possible and then take hostages back across the border into Gaza. So they, uh, they carried it out. 1,500 terrorists crossed the border, murdered thousands. Well, what's the official number? Uh, do we know that yet? Like 1,700, I think, Israeli I, I, civilians. Yeah, I heard 1,500, 1,500. I, I think it's so somewhere around there. Probably hard to tell immediately. Um, and now I believe hostages are up to 203. Um, 32 of those killed were Americans. And uh, as we read earlier, two Americans have been released. There's still 11 Americans unaccounted for. So why, why does this all matter, right? Uh, this, is, this is huge, and it definitely matters, and I'm going to give you our perspective why. So, so, so for one, let's take from the Christian perspective. Why do we support Israel? Well, let's see. Uh, like I even have to explain this to people, but just as a refresher, Israel is God's nation. They're God's chosen people. We follow a Messiah who was born in Israel, raised in Israel, was Jewish, and will return to Israel someday. We have a love for Israel because God makes it very clear that those who curse Israel will be cursed. And we support and we love the Jewish people. And we know from Revelation that many of them will return and understand that Christ is the Messiah in the end. We view them as a family. As we understand, we are grafted into that family um, far be it from anyone ever to take a open stance against the nation of Israel. It's wrong theologically. And uh, that is our faith perspective. We love the Jewish people and Israel, and we hope for their salvation and for God's blessing upon them. Now, from a geopolitical and, and political perspective, it's also hugely important. If you, look, if you were to look at a map of the Arab world in the Middle East, you will see this enormous geographical area and then this tiny little speck in the middle called Israel. Israel's land, which has belonged to them for thousands of years, long, long before occupying Middle Eastern uh, tribes came in. That land, which they want to designate as Palestine today, is a geographical area. It's not a people group. Uh, those are, there's no such thing as Palestinian people. There's just people living in a place called Palestine. That's not where they're originally from. In fact, Palestine is just Israel. It was renamed by a Roman Caesar who hated the Jews, and he renamed it Palestine, uh, very closely related to Israel's ancient enemies, the Philistines. And, um, of course, there was the diaspora, and Jews were spread out all over the world until 
the 1940s when the nation was established again. And they've been basically at a constant state of war ever since then, because it is the stated purpose of many of these uh, Arab groups around them to utterly destroy the Jewish people. It, that alone deserves our undying, unwavering support for them, because we stand for freedom and democracy. So there's been, we're not going to cover all the Israeli wars, but they've been essentially constantly under assault, right? Constantly attacked. There's the Yom Kippur War and many others. I, I just don't understand the perspective of some people that want to talk about a two-state solution or, you know, seeding ground for compromising. You can't come to a peaceable agreement with someone whose goal is to murder you, Right. This, this would be no different than if your neighbor believed that you didn't have the right to exist. And, by, and I say your neighbor specifically because it's real close, right across the fence, right? Imagine if your neighbor was peeking over the fence and trying to shoot your kids every day. And they believe that you didn't have the right to exist. How long would you tolerate that, right? And then imagine you defending yourself and then maybe someone in their house getting hurt and the rest of the neighborhood saying, oh, you're evil, you're, you're committing genocide, it's absolutely ridiculous. There's, there's a blindness to Israel's situation, um, and they deserve our help. Now, again, to the geopolitical perspective, Israel is an enormous source of intelligence and support for us in the Middle East, um, as well as other nations. It's a very strategic position. Um, it is not a place that we want to lose as an ally or a friend. There's a lot of bad actors around there. Just to give you an idea, because this is much bigger than Israel and Gaza. You have China at play. You have Iran at play. Iran, just Iran, this year alone has given $300 million to Hamas in Palestine in, by way of you know, military support and equipment to kill Jews. $300 million. And Hezbollah, which is an armed group north of Israel in, in Lebanon, has received $700 million from Iran. Iran, in their support for murdering Jews, has also uh, done the same thing to Americans. In fact, Iranians account for the highest uh, American death rate, I believe, in the last like 100 years from one individual. The Iranians contributed thousands and thousands of explosively formed penetrators and IEDs during the Iraq war years, as well as Afghanistan. They are single-handedly responsible for more American deaths, I believe, than any other country since World War II. Um, they're really bad, really bad. And breaking news this week, you had the Houthis yesterday that launched uh, missiles and drones at U.S. personnel in Iraq at Al-Assad Air Base, some of which the USS Kearney intercepted in the air. But yesterday, during Biden's weak Oval Office speech, they launched more missiles and they actually hit the ground at Al-Assad um, and several blasts were reported there. I have yet to hear if there's any injuries, although we heard one contractor had a heart attack and has died. I wonder how many of those missiles are funded by the uh, $6 billion that Biden gave to Iran a week before uh, Hamas attacked Israel, too. Well, and that's a, that's a great point, right? So amidst all of this terror and violence and evil that we see, not only against our, our friends and family in Israel, but against U.S. citizens, back here at home, you have Democrats who are in la-la land out in the streets supporting terrorist and, and, and Palestinian terrorist acts and supporting the Iranians by giving them more money back. I mean, you're either really blind or you're really stupid. 
I don't understand the, the, the thought process at all behind this. Um, of course, there's the elephant in the room, which is Afghanistan. And now we have news reports saying that equipment that we left in Afghanistan has ended up in the hands of Hamas in Palestine and has been used now to murder innocent Israelis. So this is why geopolitics has consequences, right? We left $86 billion worth of of highly advanced equipment, helicopters, weapons, and intelligence in Afghanistan. Biden just told us to leave, abandon our friends and allies, and give it to our enemies. And immediately upon our withdrawal, the Chinese were there, the Russians were there, and the Iranians were there. We know this. It's a fact. It's indisputable. Someone has to be held accountable for that. It's absolutely a disgrace. The mismanagement of U.S. assets and equipment leads to innocent lives being lost. We know this, though, because throughout my time in, in government public service, every time Democrats or leftists are in control, they're their insane fantasy you know, ideologies about the world leads to people dying. We saw this with Hillary Clinton in Benghazi. Their, their illusions of grandeur about the Arab Spring led to people being murdered. Uh, I saw this personally working in Iraq when they would allow emotions to override common sense and security. It's, it's, a, it's a constant problem. And unfortunately, when the crazy mind virus of leftism takes the highest office in the land, that, that being the president, um, the world suffers for it. I read an article this week. The uh, one of the candidates running for prime minister of Denmark was was just commenting on how the U.S. as the world superpower has left a significant vacuum, which will be filled, and we're seeing that happen right now. So, what's happening now? We're waiting for Israel to uh, launch their ground invasion, and uh, it's going to be bad. We have reports coming out of Israel from people that we know there saying that they don't expect to live through next week. Uh, it's going to be a tough fight. As we mentioned, it's a three-level fight, and it's probably a multi-front fight. They've kept that really hush-hush for a reason, but my thoughts, they'll probably strike Iran somewhere in Lebanon, possibly Syria. The Israelis are, are, are uh, intelligent. They, they know where the enemy is. And they know that this outrageous and egregious assault on civilians in Israel would not have been possible without Iran's support. Probably China in some way, or they're certainly benefiting from it or had knowledge. And I think they're going to do something about it. And uh, my opinion, that's exactly what I would do. I don't know how long I would tolerate people running across the border and beheading my babies raping my family and murdering innocent civilians before we did something as a government. Even from the perspective as a believer, you have a responsibility to protect your family. Your first ministry is your family, to protect them, to keep them safe, to provide for them, the Bible says. Uh, I, I would certainly believe that that includes not letting them be raped and murdered. And if it's within your power and you simply neglect to do so, it's even more shame on you. So I expect news uh, of the Gaza invasion to hit sometime in the next couple days, if not today, and uh, we will see what happens next. As far as the U.S. position, we have several carrier groups moved into the region. It seems like we're sending more every day. Uh, Another squadron of A-10 Warthogs has been sent over to UAE. 2,000 U.S. troops, although Biden has said they are in a support role only, 
are, are being sent there. And of course, now due to the White House's doxing of our top guys, JSOC, we know is in theater. Um, so we're set. The world is set for this conflict. Interestingly enough, from a Christian perspective, you know, it's like one or two things. World War III kicks off and it ends with a victor and evil is crushed. Or we see one guy come on to the world theater as a world leader and brings peace and declares himself the savior of the world. And there's your Antichrist. Definitely, definitely end time stuff happening in the world today. Very, very interesting. I would encourage you as a believer to find joy and peace in this because we're set, right? For us to die is gain, to live is Christ. We, we know who wins in the end. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're good to go. But I would definitely say if, if, if you don't know Jesus, now would be a good time to maybe check out the news, open your Bible, and get to know who Jesus is because everything that's happening has been discussed and talked about. And if there's ever a time to get right with the Lord, it's now. Definitely. Yeah, I wanted to say two quick things on that real quick, yeah. just uh, what Christians should be doing. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 21, uh, verse 28, that now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads because your rege- redemption draws near. Uh, that's one thing that we need to be doing. We need to, like you said, be looking uh, for the soon return of Jesus Christ. And we also need to be praying because the Bible tells us to pray for peace of Jerusalem in Psalm 122, uh, mm. verse 6. Uh, pray that they arrive at some kind of peace that the terrorism stops and uh, that they'll be able to get their hostages back. And uh, also pray that God places his hand of protection on the nation of Israel during this unprecedented war. Um, This has end times written all over it. Uh, You know, it's a tough topic, but you know, absolutely. Absolutely. We should be praying for Israel definitely as they go into what could be one of the heaviest fights of their life. Um, I also think that, you know, it's important for us to be aware of what's going on here locally. Um, What I mean by that is, you know, for all those who say, you know, they just want to stick their head in the sand and don't want anything to do with civics or politics. It's like, well, This is why, when you see these things occurring, this is why it's important for churches to be involved, for Christians to be involved. Let me clarify. Obviously, everyone has their role to play in the body of Christ. If you're called to be a pastor, be a pastor. You're not called to be a congressman. (coughs) But Christians in general are to take the truth and go out and live it and shine their light, which means we are to be involved in the world around us. And there's no better way, as we've said many times, to love your neighbor, one of the greatest commandments, than to care for them and be involved in an open process, which you're allowed to have an input into civics and laws and things like that. So we have a lot of these internal fights going on around us right now. And, you know, this big picture stuff, these wars and the global conflicts, this is the end result of that apathy. When Christians take a step out of civil life and don't care to share the truth or fight for truth and fight for the rights of innocent people, then you're left with evil. And it grows and it culminates until it explodes. And you're going to be talking about this uh, tomorrow at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills Real Impact event, why Christians should be involved in politics. Yes, there's a conference, a Real Impact conference I'll be speaking at and one of the breakout sessions uh, shortly tomorrow, Saturday in Chino Hills on why Christians should run for office. Um, it's, a, it's sort of a reoccurring 
theme, you know, that's come up over and over again. One of the things I'm going to talk about since you brought that up, I thought this was interesting is uh, the Muhlenberg brothers who, you know, I, I've talked about before. The Muhlenberg brothers were two brothers, both of whom were uh, pastors or preachers uh, back in the 1700s. And um, one of the brothers who is John Peter Muhlenberg, John hears this now famous person we know as Patrick Henry talking about politics uh, and the revolution. And he decides that these matters are worth fighting for as a preacher. So he goes back to his church and he preaches a message on Sunday out of Ecclesiastes on the topic of there being a time for everything under the sun, including a time to fight. And when he does that, he takes off his reverend robes and underneath he's wearing the uniform of a continental soldier. And that day, 300 men from his congregation join and form the 8th Virginia Infantry Regiment, which ended up serving under George Washington. And that was an interesting bit of history. Now, what's interesting is his brother, who was also a pastor, uh, Friedrich Muhlenberg, has a church up in, in New York. And he writes a letter to his brother when he hears that he's you know, joined George Washington and he's, he's, uh, he's all upset, he's angry. And he says, you know, you have no business being involved in politics, you're a pastor, et cetera. And basically the John, the first brother, counter accuses him of being an enemy sympathizer and they get in this fight and they part ways and they don't have anything to do with each other for, for a little bit. Until not too long later, the British bombard New York. They're obliterating neighborhoods with shells, uh, hits uh, near his house, the, the, the brother who didn't want to be involved. And Frederick has to flee with his family, flee for their lives. And then after this, after everything's wrecked, he decides, well, maybe he should get involved in what's happening politically. So he joins George Washington as well. And they both end up serving as officers in the Continental Army. But the story doesn't end there. Eventually, both of these pastors who served after the war are elected to Congress. And Friedrich, the brother who originally didn't want anything to do with anything, is elected, get this, he's elected the first Speaker of the House. And as a Lutheran pastor, him and his brother John pass a little thing called the First Amendment. Absolutely unbelievable. Being silent as a church is inviting the judgment of God upon your nation. We've had opportunity after opportunity. We saw the demonic spirit of this world come in through movements like BLM and CRT, convincing Christians that, you know, they were actually racist the whole time and this and that. And for some reason, many pastors just didn't see it. And this, this really evil movement came in, disrupted doctrine, disrupted theology, threw people off track and took money that they, they raised from people and spent it on million dollar mansions and transgender strip shows. And now this same group is supporting Hamas, who's murdering babies. You know, when will the church in America wake up? And what does it cost you to show up to a school board meeting, to tell your congregants to go and support Christians who are running for elected positions and fighting for truth and morality and God's righteousness? It costs you nothing. You don't even have to say anything about politics. You know, some of these school board meetings that you and I go to, Christians could go and, and, and share, the, share the gospel with people. Tell them you love them. 
and that, you know, there's a lot of lost people there, confused and they're full of hate. Give water out to people standing in line. It's a ministry. You're, you're, you're so willing to put a team together and go all over the world on these mission trips and you're failing to realize that there is a huge mission field. And believe me, I grew up on the mission field. I'm all about going everywhere else. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there shouldn't be an animosity towards being involved in your own civil government, in your own community. It's and interesting we, you asked the question, what does it cost you to do those things? Well, it, it will cost you everything if you don't. And we're mm-hmm. seeing that uh, the consequences of that in these school board meetings and, and other uh, places. Yeah, absolutely. Good point. Like the church's apathy on all the BLM stuff and cop murdering and all this stuff. Look what it's borne fruit now in the tune of to the tune of thousands of Americans in the street in L.A. chanting pro Hamas terrorist uh, slogans. That's what happens when the church backs off and lets the devil run propaganda. Nobody stood for truth. Nobody corrected these false statements and these lies. In fact, they embraced it for fear, for cowardice. I don't know. Maybe they were afraid of not being liked. And, you know, they well, they were probably af- afraid of using, uh, losing attendance. But the reality is it's churches who did stand for truth uh, started booming. We saw that with COVID. It's the exact opposite. Well, you're right. And the truth is the devil's always wanted division. He's always wanted division. Christ preached unity. Satan presses division. And that's something that we see even today. What does the left constantly want from people to be divided? They want you to think of yourself in an individual identity group, not as a person, not as an American, not as a brother, a father, a sister, as an identity group. They want you all divided so that they can control in that. Remember, politics is just the struggle for power. That's all it means. It's one ideology versus another. So they are legislating morality. Never forget about that. So while the Christians sit back and say, well, we shouldn't legislate morality. Oh, really? So you should let Satan legislate morality? Somebody's going to. They're going to do it. They're passing laws that guides morality and telling you what to do. And God has placed you in a country where you have free will to be involved in that process. So shame on you for not caring enough to be involved. And I'm not saying this to one particular person. I'm just, this is a broad shotgun blast to the world of apathy. There are millions of people, as we've learned, that don't vote, don't show up, don't care. And, and, and on that note, let's move into one more thing I wanted to talk about, which is isolationalism. This is something that's been really irritating me. I'm seeing it a lot on social media. Um, even people who, you know, I respect there's this isolationalist perspective on things going on in the world, which is like, we should only spend taxpayer dollars in America and let's move to the mountains and disappear. Let me tell you why I disagree with that. Because why we never desire war. Okay. It's horrifying. I know I've seen it firsthand. It's horrible. We, we also have a responsibility to be proactive in the defense of our nation and to make intelligent geopolitical decisions. So we have this trend throughout history here in the U.S. of isolationalism sort of taking over. You see this uh, after World War I, and uh, we go into this, you know, the golden years and the 20s and Prohibition. Everybody's partying. They're doing the great Gatsby thing. And there, were, there, there wasn't a desire to get involved. And we waited forever as Europe burned. That same group, that same sort of ideology that you hear today about like, just let the world burn. I don't care if it doesn't affect me. That's what happened after World War I in those pre-World War II years in the 1930s where we didn't get involved soon enough. You had 
Hitler, who invaded Poland, attacked our allies, invaded France, you know, quickly turned on Russia. Literally, the world is burning. They went into North Africa. You have the Japanese empire that's burning and raping and pillaging their way across the South Pacific. And Americans were just like, nah, we're good. We'll send you jeeps. We'll send you some planes, but we don't want to get involved. That was the predominant belief. And then it got so bad, right? It wasn't till the 1940s and you have Pearl Harbor, they bomb and we jump in. And of course, the toll, the human cost of entering at that point and fighting and taking back all of that lost land was astronomical. Okay, you're talking about the invasion of North Africa, Normandy, the fight through uh, the European continent came at a very high toll, very high human cost. And then you see the same thing again and uh, with each successive war. And then you get to the 1960s and America just like goes down the drain, right? We, we throw our biblicals, biblical values out the window. Relativism comes in. People are protesting and throwing pee balloons at returning U.S. soldiers. I mean, the, the moral uh, rot in this country is, is unbelievable. And yet every time Christians who have stood against that fray and represented our value have managed to, to not manage, I say by, by God's allowance, by God's providence, have managed to keep a remnant and keep us going. And then we have this same spirit now back again, where clearly the world is erupting, China making big moves in the Pacific, directly threatening U.S. interest, threatening Taiwan, Russia invading Ukraine, making deals with all of our enemies, selling missiles and technology and systems to the North Koreans, supporting Iran, the list goes on and on. Now Israel, our greatest ally in the Middle East, for good reason, the only free democracy in the region, is under attack. And you have people who should know better here in the U.S. that are saying, nah, let's just, let's just stay in our home. What do you think happens down the road when you let the whole world burn and you are the world's superpower? It comes with responsibility. We have a responsibility to project power because projecting power as, as, as the United States is guarantees the world peace that we've all enjoyed, the Pax Americana that we've enjoyed for so long. And we've seen this over and over again that when we take a step back, the world burns. I think it's, it's shameful. It's very sad because it's nothing on us. I, you know, let's, let's be humble about this. I mean, God has blessed us as a country. He's blessed us with wealth, with, with uh, you know, the military power that we have. That can be taken in a second. And you know, up until a certain point, we've used it for good. But you know, heaven forbid we take the, the, the world power, the dominant position that we have, and just let our allies burn. It's shameful, it's disgusting, and some things are worth fighting for. So if you were, if you were, you know, if you were wondering at all what my stance is on getting involved with Israel, that's one fight I am behind. I think that anyone who blesses Israel will be blessed. And if there's ever a fight worth having, it would be defending the nation of Israel and their right to exist. Absolutely. And remember... Life is short. We're all going to die someday. That's coming. So what matters more is your alignment with the Lord's will, right? That your heart's on track, that you know who Jesus is, and that you're praying for his will to be done. And maybe that role is different. Maybe it's ministering at a church. Maybe it's preaching the word. Maybe it's running for a local school board or running for Congress. Maybe it's just representing the truth of God in your job as a construction worker or you know a pipe fitter or who knows what, maybe you're a teacher, maybe who knows what you do. The point is you are to shine your light and live as salt on the earth. You're to have an effect. 
this sort of apathetic, enjoy my comfort while the world burns is coming to an end. We've enjoyed this piece for a very long time. And uh, there comes a time in everybody's life where you got to ante up and kick in. And now is that time. I, I would encourage you, if you're listening, to, to just be praying about this. Pray for Israel, like Brandon said. Pray for peace. Pray for you know the, the guidance of those who are going into conflict. But also pray that the Lord would show you what your role in all of this is. Maybe it's to pray and support. Maybe it's to you know, get involved in something. Who knows? To speak truth. Pray for boldness. But for heaven's sakes, do something. Don't be that, that wicked servant who just takes his talent, buries it in the ground, and when the master comes home, he's like, what'd you do with what I gave you? And, and you just have to say, nothing. I, I was afraid. I just buried it in the ground. Well, we will see. We will see. All right. Well, before we wrap it up, Brandon, let's talk real quick about the um, the uh, Jim Jordan situation. And uh, I'm going to let you temper me on this because I don't like rhinos, and I'm not a you know fan favorite of the establishment there in D.C. But let's let's. I mean, I'll open it up to you to to kind of start on that. I mean, what's what's your take on on the fight for Speaker? Yeah. So as many people know. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has been ousted as Speaker of the House. Uh, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now, and now there's kind of a there's a power vacuum happening for who's going to be the next Speaker. There's a temporary Speaker, I think his name is Patrick McHenry, um, and now Jim Jordan, as of this morning, has lost his third vote uh, to be the next Speaker of the House. And he, he's losing that because he's, he's aligned with Trump. And so there's some people holding out uh, because, because he's aligned with Trump, who in all likelihood will, especially now with what's happening in Israel, will all likelihood be the next president of the United States. Um, you, you can debate whether or not Kevin McCarthy removing him was a mistake, but, but now, there, now there's a vacuum that needs to be filled. And, and th- there's things in Congress that cannot get done without a Speaker of the House. Um, so it, it's created a little bit of chaos within the Republican party. It kind of makes us look silly in the eyes of the Democrats, although they have plenty of silliness on their side. I, I, I heard an interesting thing that, uh, Kevin McCarthy, who I don't know personally, uh, even though I worked in politics for a long time, I, I, I don't know him personally, but he was always worried about being liked. He wanted to be liked by everybody. That's what, that's how actually one of the ways that he became speaker, uh, because he had lost the opportunity several times uh, in years prior, mm. was that he allowed this rule to be made that Matt Gates then took advantage of, um, where it only took the one person to kind of remove him from office or initiate <laughs> that removal. On the other spectrum of that, they were comparing him to Nancy Pelosi, who, although she was feared, she was very much respected by people in her party. She kind of ruled with an iron, iron fist. So... Uh, you know, regardless of how you feel about Pelosi, I'm just trying to create the stark difference between how Pelosi led and and how uh, how Kevin McCarthy led. And I think uh, we see this a lot in the Bible. Talks about it when you strive too much for something. Uh, he, you know, McCarthy fell on his sword because he strived so hard to become Speaker. Well, I also think it's exposing what you and I have learned. You know, from from sort of behind the curtain perspective that the, uh, the Republican party is trash. It's like uh, completely out of touch with the people of the United States. And, and you keep seeing this over and over again. In fact, probably the greatest sign was the advent of a guy like Donald Trump. 
people were so sick of politicians. They just wanted somebody that spoke like a person or that related to them, right? And it was never about, and I'll say this again for those detractors out there, it's never about Trump as a person. It's about what he stood for. It's the ideology that spoke against the Uniparty and the, the rhinos and leftism. But this is yet another example of this fight where people are sick of establishment politics. And we don't know McCarthy personally, but we're, we're really involved here in the state of California where he's from. And, you know, what we see coming out of the California Republican Party is exactly the same thing. Total disrespect and arrogance towards the grassroots. They could care less about local elections at all. They're all focused on sending money to D.C. They, really, um, they could care less about position. their base. I, we saw that yeah. with the California GOP platform. Exactly. Uh, which yeah. I'm sure McCarthy uh, knew about. I, I'm, I'm almost certain he well, knew he about it. And, and he did nothing to, uh, to stop it. Actually, there was plenty of elected officials there at the convention advocating for the change. And, uh, you know, the Republican Party doesn't have much left, but to to protect life and and marriage, um, you would think is something that they would stand firmly on. And and we saw that that wasn't the case, uh, at least from the establishment side of the party. And I think that just was horrible, you know, kind of goes into what we're talking about here. And for for many who who might not know. So I'm I was I was I'm on the platform committee uh, and I'm a delegate and uh you know, I, I was one of the ones in the room that voted to stop all this. And we were part of a group, a bunch of great people that were working together to put out information. We had Defining Truth, put out pamphlets, fighting for the defense of marriage and, 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 and life. And the fact that we even had to have that fight with everything going on in the world, with the advent of Islamic terrorism sweeping through the Middle East and nation state threats like Iran and China, the fact that we're spending our time fighting these, these rhinos in the Republican Party who are looking to subvert American values in our way of life is disgusting. It's so shocking. It's yet another testament, though, by the way, to the church's relinquishment of their role in civics. Because what you have essentially is conservatives that don't know why they're conservative, like we say all the time. They don't believe in anything. There is no voice of reason. There's no apologetic stance giving a defense for our values and our way of life. So we at Defining Truth really aimed to do that. And thankfully, by God's blessing, we were able to stop this this ridiculous move in California where uh, the Republican Party tried to back off their stance of support of marriage and pro-life. Well, it it ended pretty quickly, too. It didn't even make it out of the committee. One of the main arguments from people who uh, were trying to... To change the platform, which, by the way, a lot we know uh, internally, a lot of people got burned on this. Oh, yeah. uh, Because they kind of jumped on the train and it was going off the rails and they didn't get off in time and they got burned, um, which is on them for not standing on their values. However, the argument from the people in the party who were trying to change the platform is that, uh, and we heard this from people who ran for office uh, falsely, I think their argument was that because of the platform, they would have gotten votes from from certain people. But because of the platform, these people did not vote for them. I, I would say just the opposite. We're, we're not losing elections because of our platform. We're losing elections in California, especially at the local level, because people refuse to stand on the platform. You don't believe anything, like you said. Right. You, you, you don't know what you believe in. You don't believe in anything. And it's just kind of this thing. The, the Republican Party of California, they'll probably never bring it up again. We'll see at the next convention. Uh, but they would be wise to just stick either stick with the the platform that they have or, or copy the national platform. Well, unfortunately it exposed a deeper problem. 
I mean, the truth is that just showed you that the leadership of the Republican Party is trash, which we already know. They're totally out of touch with our values. They they don't they're not conservative. They don't believe in anything except for maintaining their power and raising money. Right. That's what we've seen even across elections. They back candidates who they they believed themselves would not win. And they backed them anyways. Why? Because they can make large donations. That's obviously true. And then there's the whole proxy issue, uh, you know, where the Republican Party allows people to vote with with proxies and uh, the proxies are harvested. They, they do, you know, proxy campaigns to control these proxies. So if, if you know, to, to explain this, if you can't attend, if you're a delegate and you can't attend the convention, they let people come and take your proxy and vote for you. So they, they have these campaigns where they get as many proxies as they can. And we saw that right at the convention this year, we saw every time the, the chair wanted to vote for something, the, 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 the decision was made by almost exactly the number of proxy votes. Well, yeah. not present. And their argument is, well, you know, people have, uh, you know, medical reasons why they can't attend garbage, all these things. That is true. Except for the fact that there's people who uh, give their proxies who have never showed up to a convention. There are a whole argument with, oh, well, this isn't happening. It's kind of like when when uh, people wanted to make the rule in the rules committee that you could not pay for proxies. And their argument was, well, it doesn't happen. So they're arguing just uh, like Democrats. Yeah, they argue that's just what, like Democrats. Democrats so their, their, their argument is, well, it's not happening. So why make a rule? Well, guess what? My house has never been broken into, but I still set my alarm every night. And, and obviously that's a, you know, coming from a criminal investigation background, I'll tell you, that's like a, a that's a, a an admittance of guilt because yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to stop something from happening, you're yeah. obviously doing it and you're yeah. worried about it. If it's not happening, then make the rule. Then, then nothing's I mean, lost. It's, it's just, they're just really shady, dirty people that don't believe in anything. We've seen that over and over again. And I attribute that in large part to all the good people doing nothing. Right. It's like, it's like we always say, like, you know, the only thing that evil needs to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And you see that at every level of society where civically and, and in politics, most rational good people have just checked out. They don't want anything to do with it. They're bored of it or they're sick of it. A lot and of them are tired. Yeah. They're tired. And you know what? And we've learned that, right? It's, it, it takes a lot. It, it, it's a huge effort to, to stand up and fight for these things. But like somebody has to do it because what we're doing is we're relinquishing that role to the enemy. Uh, and they're, they're, tenacious man the democrats are out there fighting tooth and nail i mean the amount of bills the democrats pass in california uh is unbelievable and no one stands against them because we just like eh, i'm just i want to build my pool and live in disneyland here in southern california but you know history tells us that time comes to an end it's very sad anyways uh the, the most recent piece of news uh on on the house um on the uh, sorry, on the speaker nominee issue is 25 Republicans on Friday voted against uh, Jim Jordan. Um, and I'm not going to read them all. I'd encourage you to go look online. You can find their names. But most of these people I've never heard of in my life. Um, is there anybody from California that didn't vote for him? Uh, that did not? Yeah. Oregon, New York, Florida, Texas, Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Iowa. No. I'm just wondering if usually the California delegation stands pretty strong together. So I'm wondering if they've moved on from. Mm -mm. I didn't see any names on California. But I mean, you hit that nail on the head with the truth is that Jim Jordan is the closest thing to the people that could be in the speaker position. And the the rhinos in power and the lobbyists and the third party is, is trying to stop that from happening. That's disgusting. It's it's so obvious and offensive. Um we need to change bad because because 
it, I think we talked about this last week. There's this, there's this transition that happens historically as the world enters into big conflicts, right? We prefer strong leadership. People tend to come back to rational thought. It's always in the time of apathy in La La Land that we get these harebrained ideas and people go nuts and weird, right? Yeah, everybody took advantage of the fact that, that there was peace during the yes. Trump uh, presidency, and then they kind of did the same thing. Well, even even longer, China. even we've enjoyed a peace for quite a while here, you know, w- without a lot of suffering and hardship. So we've developed a generation of apathy. And in politics, what that does is it leaves room for these money mongers. It, it leaves room for these rhinos who just are in it for their own interest, who make a ton of money. And the people eventually, because of conflict and a horrible economy, I mean, Biden is literally the worst president this country's ever had. How any Democrat can sit there and tell you with a straight face when you watch this zombie on the news that he's a good president is mind-blowing. I mean, he's destroyed the U.S. economy. He's destroyed our image around the world. We didn't even get, we don't have time to get into his Oval Office speech. It was atrocious. It was atrocious. Well, his mask was looking a lot better in the oh Oval Office. Oh, my gosh. Than it, was on it looks like he's falling asleep. <laughs> but, so my point is, like, as conflict arises, these, these people tend to fade because the people get upset and they move them out. And this is what's happening. This is what's happening with the speaker vote. It's what's happening with the whole Trump deal. Um, the people are sick of the lying politicians. They want somebody that more closely represents them. And we've seen this before. I mean, look at Neville Chamberlain, you know, World War II. He's over there in England coming back, waving peace. And Hitler promised me he wouldn't do anything. And then as conflict, you know, continues, obviously, he just sort of fades into history as kind of a buffoon. And then you have a guy like Winston Churchill's combat veteran, strong leader. He comes in and leads people forward. Data here proves that as well. We, we know that in war and conflict, people prefer Republicans. That should tell you something right there. Right. You, you want a strong person, a strong character, somebody who knows what they believe, who's grounded in reality. Democrats are not grounded in reality. They're they're literally living a mind virus where they praise Hamas and the murder of babies in U.S. streets. It's utterly shocking to me. So we're going through a change and I hope that the people speak. And I guess we should say we should start in our own house first. The Republican Party needs a house cleaning. That swamp needs to be drained. I, I am 100 percent on that. And no, not everybody's perfect, you know, and you're going to get people that pick apart everything. You're like, well, this yeah, guy we don't said need this. Perfection. And, we just need people yeah, to stand on their values. We're not going to get perfection, but you have to fight where you can. And we need a purge. We, we need to get rid of people who are in it for their own interest and realize that we have some very, very serious things going down in the world right now. And we need serious people, not dementia patients in the White House, not people who think that Hamas should be praised. Or even Biden in his speech had to throw out his islamophobia comment yeah like what a slap in the face read the room guy i mean like well people just don't realize how dangerous this is you and i were texting back and forth during his oval office speech and i made a comment that you know america's enemies are watching him speak because they are and they're laughing they're they're like all right time to attack again because america is not not strong yeah absolutely when we don't project power the world moves yeah and you don't have to use force to protect power, but you do need to be willing to use force. And I think that's where uh, the Biden administration is I, lacking. I couldn't even understand half the things he was saying no, during that speech. Like, he was like this. He's like, it's eight o'clock. It's past well, he sounded time. like someone's drunk uncle. He was like, he like slurs. It's look, I know it's, it's kind of comical, but it's not like, yeah, we always say we do kind of actually feel bad. Somebody's abusing Yeah. Him. Like who's letting him be there? How do the Democrats listen to this guy talk and think right now amidst everything going on in the world, this is what we need. What about his own wife? Like, 
That's really shameful. How do you watch that and just think like, it's really sad. It's really sad. But anyways, well, we're, uh, we're almost an hour into our very short episode this week. So yeah, it's time to go. So we'll, we'll stay up on what's going on with this. Um, I expect something to come out here in the next few days with Israel. Uh, you know, keep up with us on Instagram and our threads page. We'll, we'll, we'll keep putting out info as it arises and give comments on breaking news. And uh, remember, as Brandon said, to be praying for Israel, pray for our leadership, uh, pray for Joe Biden. You know, yeah, absolutely. I don't like the guy personally, but we pray that uh, God would grant him wisdom to do the right thing. Um, and then maybe even he would be saved uh, that he, that he would have people around him to speak truth into his life. And that goes for everyone. Um, but that being said, we should not shirk from our responsibility of standing for truth and against evil that's going on in this world. Guys, uh, the book self-titled defining truth is coming out very soon. It's, it's, it's printing right now it's coming. And, uh, more on that, I would direct you guys to the website that'll be available and we'll be hopefully going out on a book tour. Very excited for you guys to read this book. I spent a lot of time and uh, late nights, pouring thought into this. So exciting to finding truth as always, you can check out the podcast at defining truth on YouTube. You can watch it or you can listen anywhere you get your podcasts like Apple, Google, Spotify, etc. Give us a follow. And uh, we look forward to having you guys on board and supporting everything we do as a nonprofit is by donations and generous support from listeners like yourselves. So if you like what we're doing, please consider supporting us as we stand for truth and bring an apologetic and rational defense for American values and articulate America's worldview through a biblical lens. We'll see you guys next time. (laughs) 